is a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. This is Alan Watt, and it's cutting through the Matrix time again on June the 2nd, 2008. Newcomers, and there's lots of people from all age groups coming in all the time, from all countries too, I asked to look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com because it's with 10 years worth of radio talks and blurbs, as I call them, up on my site, and you can get a lot of information about how a huge system has developed over a long period of time, and I try and show you where it's going to. And when you understand the past, you do understand the present, and you will understand everything that's happening in the present and how that's designed to manipulate your mind collectively into a new world order, as they call it, something that specialists have been very good at for thousands of years. They've had lots of new world orders, and really... It's just a continuation from one ending of one part or one chapter to the next as they upgrade their system. Also look into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu where you can download transcripts in various tongues of Europe. There are so many topics given to the public to talk about that you have to be so careful they're not being misled because A good example, for instance, is this whole thing with the food crisis. Now, a while back, I talked about the Royal Institute for International Affairs and how for years they've had different groups working worldwide on food. It really is about the takeover of food for a collective society under world government. That was always the agenda under the United Nations. The United Nations eventually is supposed to take over the commandeering, you might say, of all foodstuffs on the planet, at least they'll decide how much goes to each country. It's all to do with population control. Look in to the UN's Department of Agriculture and look at their little rules and their mandates and so on, and you'll get the big picture. So they gave us the build-up, the gradual build-up to food shortages, and then once that's swallowed by the public, they go into the next step, which is rationing and all the rest of it. It's, it's training the public for a new system. And the food is only one part of the whole new system. But that's how propaganda works. They give these press releases out to a whole bunch of different major media who willingly go ahead and publish it verbatim. And the public, as always, turn around and squawk amongst each other about what it means. But we're never given the big picture. And to an extent, we talk their ideals into existence because once they create crisis, even if nothing's really happening, once they create crisis in the mind, we find organizations jumping forward to speak on behalf of us, you see, the NGOs, the big, well-funded NGOs, who suddenly come forward with the solutions and demands from government to do something. And government likes nothing better than it take on new tasks because it gives them more power over the people. That's the simple agenda. Very, very simple. Old 
techniques, but very simple. And they work so well with everything. The Soviet system, remember, has blended completely with what was called loosely the capitalist system. This was discussed and talked about and published in lots of books going back to the beginning of the 1900s when they talked about a Marxist state coming into being before there was one, really, and how it only lasted about 70, 80 years and then merged with the capitalist system and out of it would come a third way. Not quite capitalist, not quite communist. I'll be back with more after this break. Law, etc., 
is discussed over and over from every possible angle because they want to see what comebacks would be from the general public and how to overcome each type of comeback. It's like a chess game that they start and finish before they even see the board. So there's nothing new under the sun, as they say. So after Atali said that, now they're going to give us a vision for the whole world, and mainly Europe. And it's almost verbatim from Jack Atali's book. And this is from a top person in Britain. You'll hear who he is halfway through this, this little read here. And it's from the Sunday Times, June 11th, 2006. 2006. And it says, Beware the new Goths are coming. By Peter Almond. Square Peach. In an, op- an apocalyptic vision of security dangers, Rear Admiral Chris Parry said future migrations would be comparable to the Goths and Gandals and Vandals. Uh, Gandals, yeah. Vandals, while well, North. Uh, hold on a second here. North African Barbary pirates could be attacking yachts and beaches in the Mediterranean within 10 years. It goes your holidays in Spain. Europe, including Britain, could be undermined by large immigrant groups with little allegiance to their host countries. A reverse colonization, as Parry described it. These groups would stay connected to their homelands by the internet and cheap flights. I don't really get the cheap flights these days. The idea of assimilation was becoming redundant, he said. The warnings by Parry of what could threaten Britain over the next 30 years were delivered to senior officers and industry experts at a conference last week. Now, here's who he is. Parry, who is head of the Development Concepts and Doctrine Center at the Ministry of Defense is charged with identifying the greatest challenges that will frame national security policy in the future. If a security breakdown occurred, he said, it was likely to be brought on by environmental destruction and a population boom. In other words, the people again are all... The problem with the people is too many people, you see. That's what they keep telling us. Coupled with technology and radical Islam. Radical Islam. They stir up a hornet's nest and get it going, and now they call Islam radical. The result for Britain and Europe, Parry Warren, could be like the 5th century Roman Empire facing the Goths and the Vandals. Parry pointed to the mass migration, which disaster in the third world could unleash. The diaspora issue is one of my biggest current concerns, he said. Globalization makes assimilation seem redundant and old-fashioned. Well, of course it does. That's what it was designed to do. The process acts as a sort of reverse colonization where groups of people are self-contained, going back and forth between their countries, exploiting sophisticated networks and using instant communication on phones and the internet. It sounds like the world bankers is talking about here. Third world instability would lick at the edges of the West as pirates attacked holidaymakers from fast boats. Sometime in the next 10 years, it may not be safe to sail a yacht between Gibraltar and Malta, said the Admiral. On 10 years, you won't have been able to afford the fuel to sail a yacht between Gibraltar and Malta. Parry 52, an Oxford a graduate who is, well, of course, he's from Oxford, who was mentioned in dispatches in the Falklands War, is not claiming all the threats will come to fruition. He is warning, however, of what is likely to happen if dangers are not addressed by politicians. Now, when you go through... Uh, the handouts, again, this is the type of handout that's given out to the press. When you go through and you analyze what they're telling you, underneath it all, again, it's overpopulation, they're claiming. Overpopulation. And 
the fact that certain peoples from some countries will still stick to themselves xenophobically and have little groups across the planet as they rob people left, right and center. As I say, that's just like the global bankers. They've been doing this for centuries and no one stops them. But they have to have something on the go all the time in the military because, remember, they're running out of targets. In our world government, there's going to be no nations. The nations literally will be colonies, in a sense, very much like colonies, like Britain had colonies before America decided it had enough. And that's what you only have under the United Nations. They don't call them nations anymore. They call them states, world states. And when you run out of enemies, you've got to keep the military there to keep the powerful in place. It's a protection for the powerful and wealthy, those who run the system. And there are groups of people up there in this, this gradual pyramid where there's a capstone on top that serve the capstone, you might say. And they want to make sure they never lose control of their system, even when they're changing the system beneath them. But they want a massive military. We've seen it build up like crazy over many years to take care of this chaos that we're going to go through as countries melt, basically the borders melt everywhere. And we know, it's even been in newspapers and in major media in Canada, that by 2010, the U.S. and Canada will be pretty well integrated in every respect. So will Mexico, and they have a few other countries sitting in the wings to join quickly. But underneath all of this, it's hard to rationalize military if you have no real enemies. And they're going to hang on to their military for at least another hundred years. Because at the end of the hundred years, they will not need police or military. Because they'll have literally created a whole new race of servants, a servant class. That's coming up so quickly now through genetics. And if you think of all the different areas that money could be spent in health, etc., why for 50, actually 100 years, they've been going full tilt at genetics is because of the eugenics program, the creation of a people, a servile class that will serve them better, more excellently, without any problems. They won't need to have entertainment. They won't need to, to have things to, to keep them interested or, or, or make them enjoy themselves. They won't need holidays. And they're probably able to work 24 hours a day. Just like they're talking about the military too. The, the military of the future eventually well, won't need sleep or they can go four or five days without sleep, 24 hours a day. This is why they've gone in this one direction out of thousands that could have gone to help people to literally cure, eradicate disease. They haven't. We haven't got a cure for anything. Not a single cure. When genetics was first mentioned, and I was really small at the time, I thought instantly, well, the only way through genetics you could cure illness is, is by preventing it, by literally taking those genes out, which means tampering with the eggs themselves or with the donors. That was so obvious. And over the years, I've been proven right to myself. That is exactly where they're going. We're the old man and woman. They claim in the transhumanist societies and even in the post-humanist societies, they actually have groups of them leading the charge. They claim that we're just too, too weak. 
we're too, we're burned out, we're not perfect enough, and that society has to be remade. And in deep within all of this, as I say, is the eugenic society. They've changed their name so many times, but it's still the eugenic society, with big backing from the biggest foundations on the planet, but with the backing of what they used to call the Council of Elders a long time ago. Even Khrushchev made mention to them. Because there are people above governments that decide what happens in this world on a big scale. And every warring side has to go to them cap in hand when they want acceptance for certain parts of their agendas. I'll be back with more of this after the following messages. This is Cutting to the Matrix, and I've been talking about this massive system that's in place, a system thought out a long, long time ago. Every part of its movement, its agenda, everything that transpires in your lifetime was planned long before you were even born. It was always the intention to create a world society, and it was never lot on to the people, because people don't like giving up this thing called sovereignty, at least at least even if you have sovereignty of some kind, you have someone closer to complain to. Already across the European Union, uh, the, the parliament in Brussels seems so far from everyone uh, that it's impossible to have your grievances even heard. It's in fact impossible for even your politicians who are elected to go there to get heard. We did a study and found out that the average politician in the European Parliament gets about maybe 20 to 40 seconds speaking time per year per year so this is the thing once you get a global government you see you're not under under any kind of democracy whatsoever and the boys at the top are perfectly well aware of that you can't have democracy and you can't have somewhere to go with your grievances under a world system it's a totalitarian system and through the totalitarian phase you're going to have for sure you're going to have riots and so on, which they will bring on. And I hope that the young people of all factions and all sides and who have their gurus and the guys that they follow, remember that the followers never win. Followers never, ever win in any of these conflicts. You're always used to push the agenda into the next phase. And after the wars, you wonder what on earth you were fighting for because... What transpires is nothing you'd ever imagine. World War II, remember, was fought with a, a group of countries going into pacts against another couple of countries, two or three countries. And out of it came a United Nations. That those who were behind the United Nations and spoke for the United Nations had no problem declaring and publishing in various books was set up to be a global government. We elect no one to the United Nations. No citizen on earth here gets a chance to vote anything into the United Nations or anybody into it. It's a non-democratic institution. It's a corporation. And yet it's a tool. It's a tool of the people who already were in control of the planet. 
decided a long time ago that national sovereignty was now a hindrance. And it was easy to get lots of followers to believe in that because because of self-apparent. People like nationality. You like the area you're born and brought up in. You like everything that's around you is familiar to you. You like that whole idea. It's a tribal, a natural tribal instinct. So they gave us wars, world wars, to tire us and to get us to our knees so we'd accept what they thought was world government. That's a friendly world government. didn't have too much power. That's how it was put to the public. And now it's getting built up to power. But it really is simply a front, a front for very rich, powerful people who run the entire planet and its commerce and so on. As Khrushchev himself mentioned this group above himself after they had the, the Cuban Missile Crisis and when he, was, he said that they might get back into detente, into conversation with the Americans, he says, he says maybe it's a possibility, he said I'll have to ask the Council of Elders. Some translators and newspapers said wise men. Where is that in the communist books? Where is this council? But if you go back further, you'll find that term was not a new term. Benjamin Franklin talked about it when he set up the United States of America. He said in his own writings, and you can get a hold of them, they're, they're probably covered in dust in the libraries, the public libraries. He said that he hoped, and his fellows hoped, meaning his, his fellow Masons, of course, that this confederation of the Americas would be the beginnings of a federation of the world run by a council of wise men, twelve wise men, he said. You find in the French Revolution, when they had their different groups set up in their, their thrown-up parliament system, they had what they called the mountain. The mountain were a council of elders, the older, wiser ones they called the mountain. And again, it was a Masonic allegory for the pyramid they called the mountain. We go into the writings of Pike and others. Pike talked about building up, he says, building up through, through striving and conquest and even using the stock market, he said, money to accumulate money and we will become the masters over the masters of the world you go into the writings of Weishaupt and who's only one member of one lodge one particular branch of the same group and he said that through the creation of philanthropy meaning foundations they could guide the world anywhere they wanted to and sure enough it's the last place you look is some huge foundation that handles millions and millions and gives out millions of dollars every year in grants and so on. Supposedly to charities, what you think of as charities, the last place you'd look for the monster. But that's where you have to start to see who they are funding. I'll be back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
faithful southern walk back cutting through the metrics and we got a long distance very long distance caller here that's red one from jordan we'll take him first if he's there yes hello alan hello how are you how are you yourself you doing good yeah i'm surviving you're surviving yeah that's all we can hope for these days yes of course um um, I have uh, been wondering about this uh, jigsaw puzzle you're talking about. And there's one piece missing, in my uh, opinion. And that's actually the, the piece in which comes in the Savior, because I heard you say that uh, we shouldn't be waiting for a Savior, but at the same time, you said that if uh, we want to get rid of the system we're living in, we should hope for a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, really, you see, there's a whole, um, this is a topic that, that is so deep and and so very, very old, and only a few in every generation ever even get to the start of the questions, and it's to do with the inner, the inner person that you are, or the complete person you could be. And... Mm. And all religions, the, apart from getting laws to make you socially acceptable to everybody else, so you have a peaceful existence, you also have the same um, hints, you might say, of of making yourself better, going further, going going beyond. And always say to look at yourself first before you look at the world, because all of the answers to the world are contained within yourself. Even when you have an opinion on something, if you really look at people under brainwashing, for instance, this is a studied science, um, you find that even when they're being uh, tortured and so on and made to say or believe anything and, and actually really believe it, eventually confessing to things they never did, it's because deep within everyone you are full of contradictions. Everyone is, is a, a myriad of contradictions and it isn't until you really go beyond all of your training, all of your indoctrinations, and take some of it with you, perhaps, because some of them will give you the lead to where you must go. Then you start on the journey with yourself to realize it's only by understanding yourself can you realize what evil is, because we have all the capacity to do evil in the world and on each other, and each one of us has it, but we choose not to, hopefully. However, there are people in the world who choose this other path, and... It's a big debate. Are they born with this evil in them? Uh, psychiatrists would say, yes, psychopaths are born that way. Um, but but uh, religious people would say, no, they're possibly possessed with something. And there's no doubt when you look at some of the most evil people down through history, who are also the greatest people as far as some are concerned, the great leaders in history that have caused massive wars and massive changes and so on, these people could eradicate thousands if not millions without any conscience whatsoever and we have to realize that this is what one person was able to accomplish now when you understand what the good is that can be done from one person it can be done for thousands it can be done for millions as well and until we reclaim and that's what it is you you are reclaiming the totality that is you it completes you, and that's, that's more than just what you work at or what your title is or whatever. The completeness that is you, then you can start to regain uh, and take back 
a different path that leads to much better things for humanity. And it won't be easy. It's not, it's not easy on a personal level. It's, it's not easy even on a group level. But it must be done because we know the path we're on and we know who's leading us there. And it truly is eradication of most of the people on the planet in order to save a few who have already deemed themselves godlike and superior. And we can't allow this to happen. We cannot allow this to happen. There is so much good innate within humanity has got us this far and I'm sure it can overcome all of the evil and put it under its feet at the right time yes I understand this point and uh, that's why I wanted to do make a link between the future and the past as you know uh, I, I think you're familiar with the, with the story of Moses and the Pharaoh mm -hmm. yeah um, I don't know which version uh, you believe in but uh, we as Muslims, we believe, like uh, what's uh, said in the Quran, that the Pharaoh had uh, a vision before Moses was born. So he ordered his uh, troops, his executioners, to kill off all uh, children, uh, uh, sons of the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so now I'm thinking, because we know that uh, with the, the, the past all... all uh, History always repeats itself. Yeah, yeah, it does. And you know oh, why? It, you know why it always repeats itself is because psychopaths in a commercialized system are always in charge of that very system. It's their system that we live in. We think is normal, and that's why the psychopath's mo, his modus operandi, is always the same. He keeps repeating the same thing down through history, and it's the commonest thing even for kings or queens to turn on their own people and slaughter a vast amount of them when they think it's just too much. They start getting afraid of the multitude of people uh, because they know that they're evil, they know they're tyrants, and they know that people become upset, and there's a certain level where they start to lose control. That is happening today, so you're quite right, and that is why history repeats itself, and that's why they go after the young. We already have big players coming out now talking about bringing back the full 1920s, 30s eugenic society to forcibly sterilize people that they deem unfit. That's so there'll be no offspring at all. It's really the same thing. It's just a different way of perceiving the same thing. They don't want the offspring from certain peoples. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so uh, the pharaoh, he wanted actually to bend his faith by killing off all those uh, children. So I think that these days, the, the elite, they know that something is happening because if you go to the Hollywood culture makers, yeah. we can see a lot of movies in which they portrayed um, an anomaly like Neo and the Matrix, like the Riddick and Chronicles of Riddick, like V4 Vendetta with the guy in the mask. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that by chipping the people, they won't actually get control over every mind so that they actually can bend their uh, fate just like the Pharaoh did with Moses. You're right. We're under full-scale war with science backing those in control. They're so confident now they can pull it off. And I understand why they're confident. They do have people who are addicted to television, to movies, and so on, and who are not thinking for themselves. And millions, if not billions, of people are being led to the same 
ending. It's just like brainwashing, as I say, when you ad start to admit to things you never did, you see, under torture, mm -hmm. until you actually start to believe it. Uh, you're going through the same process. Now, they're convincing us. That we have to be convinced there's too many of us until we feel guilty and we start to feel that we are responsible for the world's problems. When we start to really believe that, we're finished. That's pure propaganda and indoctrination that's leading us into scientific torture to get us to accept what the elite have decided we shall accept. And then we shall go like lambs to the slaughter, they hope. But it won't be the, the, just so calmly as they expect. Okay, thank you. Uh, thanks for calling. I wish you a good evening, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Will do. Bye. Bye. Now we've got Rick in California. Are you there, Rick? Yes, hello, Alan. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Not so bad. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I uh, was listening to your show um, a couple, last week and the week before, and, and I heard some callers call in from Alabama, and um, one of them said that uh, black people are not being stolen by CPS, and um, mm -hmm. so I, I just feel, I feel the need to kind of add some information Mm -hmm. um, to the callers, you know, just to put it out there that I talked to, I was talking to a black couple last year who were talking about how CPS was stealing a lot of their friends' children. Sure, there. Yeah. I know that for a fact because a lot of the children up for adoption are from black, black parents, and of course the CPS had taken those children from the homes. Yeah, and okay. Also, I wanted to mention, um, you know, another caller called in from Alabama and said that. Um, you know, they're bringing in the fastest breeding uh, people and, 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 and not allowing the whites to breed. And you were, you were saying, you were mentioning that, um, uh, uh, that, they, that in time that they were going to start um, slowing down the breeding of once they got the immigrants in place. And see, I live in California, which is kind of at the forefront of um, the, the agenda. And what you hear here is, I hear a lot of it is that this Latina feminist Pulitzer Prize winning author, Latina feminist this, Latina feminist that, and yeah. they're already starting the gender war between uh, Mexicans. Um, yes, already. and it will work exactly the same way, mm -hmm. and uh, they'll, they'll be going to abortion clinics before you know it, and uh, the whole... Yeah, see, you cannot come in, and this is understood, you can't come into the superior culture, I mean the more advanced culture, and this is Darwinian, which is mm -hmm. true, this part is true, true, they've studied this part, and you, you can't come into it without losing your old culture and adapting into the new. We found even with invaders into Egypt, uh, time after time, even if they thought they'd won, uh, they actually assimilated themselves into the Egyptian superior culture and copied all of their ways of living. Yeah, also I want to add, too, that I, wa I heard on the news last year, um, and I never mentioned this, but I, now I should, um, Mexico legalized abortion. Is, uh -huh. is, are you aware of that, Alan? Hadn't heard that, no. Oh, yeah, I, I heard it on the news that they legalized abortion in, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe a caller can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, was, I was so surprised, you know, a, a very Catholic, originally Catholic country would do that. That shows how, how, how the New World Order, you know, they want to start, that shows how pervasive it is. And well, you, you have to understand the Catholic Church is, mm -hmm. is gone. It was taken over, completely taken over um, quite a few years ago. And uh, some people inside have given exposés on who's who. And I'm not surprised at all. Uh, they're all along the, on board, as you say, with the same agenda worldwide. Everyone has to come on board or, or you're going to get destroyed. Mm -hmm. uh, they won't allow any other way of living. And 
when you look at the big foundations, by the way, like the, the Gates, etc., and um, and different big players that, that set up funds for the United Nations, make big shows of the funding, you look at what parts of the UN that the funding goes to, and this is, by the way, you can get this from the United Nations, every one of these big players, these big philanthropists give money to those departments that do worldwide abortion, set up the clinics worldwide, mainly in third world countries. Wow. Also, another thing I noticed, too, is Bill Frist, who was an anti-abortion candidate in the South, I found out that he, he his, his hospital, Hospital Corporation of America, the one he owned, mm-hmm. was, was giving out abortions. Yes. Republicans always lie at the top. They always say they're anti-abortion, like McCain's doing, but they're, they're actually for it secretly, actually. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. It's like Carl Quigley said, everyone at the top, left and right, doesn't make any difference, um, at the top, that all their coterie at the very top are picked in advance. It doesn't matter which party they belong to or people think are voting in. The same agenda will go forth, and that is the way of it. I've lost count of many, how many politicians and members of parliaments, presidents, congressmen, have promised things and completely reversed the decisions as soon as they get in. It's because they were playing a game to get in, and they know what their part in this agenda is. Every big play, you know, all these politicians are just players. They're players, and they're told what to do, even the prime ministers and presidents. All right, well, thank you very much, Alan. Uh, Thanks for calling. You have a good evening. You too. All right, bye-bye. Bye now. Yeah, when you look at the big philanthropists, just look at where the money actually goes. And, of course, you're all thinking it's not wonderful. They'll be handing out more candy bars in UN-dominated countries. But no, it's abortion clinics. That's where the money primarily goes to, and that's published. And um, now, hold on a second here, because my I'm on satellite feed here, and sometimes it packs in. And I can't see very much at all. And once it's done, we've got Tim from Canada. Are you there, Tim? Hi, Alan. Ha uh-huh. ha. Yep. Hi. Um, I was just going to highlight a couple of uh, notes that I uh, emailed you um, about. Did you know about uh, um, what the facts were about that secret Congress meeting about how uh, uh, the U.S. government themselves says how they expect the U.S economy to collapse this September and the U.S. government finances to collapse in uh, February of 2009 and how in the midst of all this they expect um, the Civil War to happen. And I'll just finish and then finish my little spiel and then you can talk. Um, If this happens, like martial law is definitely going to happen. And uh, in the other link that I sent you... um, it was about like death camps and how um, once mar- like right around when martial law happens, they're gonna round up like patriot leaders and and like uh, their followers and stuff. And this just made me think that like in a lot of the other other uh, stations where uh, people are laughing and or like patriot leaders are laughing and just having fun with making a money in the truth movement, they're going to have to realize that uh, the NW, the elite aren't playing patty cake. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. And uh, the thing is, too, with the, with the planned takedown of the economy, that was already discussed years ago as the final uh, reason for the complete merger of the Americas. They say it's too cumbersome. This is what they were saying about 15 years ago. Yeah. It's too cumbersome. This is from the Council on Foreign Relations. 
uh, just too cumbersome having different uh, countries, governments, all having to send the diplomats back and forth, etc., and therefore to compete with a European economy and China, we have to be integrated totally with a new government for the, the whole Americas. This was discussed at the first uh, free trade negotiations before NAFTA, and they, said, they actually said from that meeting, it was published in the papers here, they were choosing Montreal for to be the new capital for the Americas. So this is old stuff that is rehashing to us. As far as the camps go, uh, there's no doubt about it. They'll have to round up certain people. But most folk can be, can be watched within their own cities. The cities are going to be locked down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, this is, actually, a city really is a ready-made prison. You can close every single road going in and out of it so quickly. They practice that. They, have, they actually have all their maps and so on as to, to where to go. Uh, when this is uh, when the word comes down, so you know you don't even need the big camps. Most people, and even the ones that, that are kind of patriotic leader types, um, can be kept quite safely and contained within the cities themselves. Yeah. I do know that in some major cities like New York, they're putting armories up throughout the city um, for for the riots that will come down the pike. But yeah, the greatest way, the greatest quantity, it's the public that must always be convinced of the, right, the righteousness of the agenda. Mm-hmm. And that's why at the right time they'll give us chaos and panic and, and we'll be scared that the dollar is falling and plummeting. And then they'll come forward like the saviors that they are and say, well, we've got to integrate and, and it will save us all and we'll all breathe a sigh of relief and we'll be yeah. called, be called American. Yeah, Thanks for calling, though. All right. We'll be back with more after these messages. Hi, I am Alan Watt, back cutting through the Matrix, and we've got Sarah in Florida on the line. Are you there, Sarah? Hello, Sarah? Yes, I'm here. Yes, go ahead. I was just wondering, is there any significance to Ronnie James Dio, how he does the metal horns? And is heavy metal music uh, part of the group or grassroots culture? Uh, heavy metal, you understand the history of the muses and what came through music. And you had the classical, and then it went to the, the sort of um, jazz ragtime. And then it, it went into what they call pop. Pop in masonry is dad. It's the father. And then from, from there, you went uh, down, down the road. You went, sorry, going down the hill. And you went into metal and then heavy metal. Heavy metal is an allegory of King Arthur's sword. It's also the lead man. Uh, the alchemists in high ancient masonry or old masonry talk about turning the lead into gold. That was the man himself perfecting the man. So when you have heavy metal, it means they were ter- reversing it and turning it, you back into lead or making you dumb and stupid. That's what it literally meant. And then when you bring it down to wrap, you wrap it up. That's what a judge does when he, can, when he passes sentence. He wraps the gavel on the square, and that's it. That's the law. It's the end. So you've gone right down a sliding slope of manipulations uh, with an agenda behind each phase of it, which has been very successful until you hit the bottom, which is wrap. You wrap it up, and at the end, you have nothing left, but you, you just you hip hop along. You hop along. You're wounded. You're, you're out of the picture. This is literally how they, 
they give you these terms as for occultic meanings. Hello? Okay. Um, but is there any significance to the metal horns and the masonry symbols? Oh, yeah. In all times, the horn itself, that was a horn of power. Uh, that, that even ancient uh, scriptures, they, they mentioned the horn of power. The ram's horn was one, then it turned to metal. And they used to use brass and uh, even, even more expensive types of metals, too, for some particular kings and queens. So it's, it's, um, it's a symbol of power, the actual, actual horn itself. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Have a great day. Hey, you too. And yeah, everything has another another meaning. It's just it's the very same thing with with politics. As I say, when they create crisis, etc., it's not really so much that they must do so to please themselves. It's to convince the public because then they're going to give you the solution. And remember, whatever happens and is handed to the public is done for a good reason. And you always take the good reason, a plausible reason even if it's just barely plausible and you accept it. But above that, there's always the real reason. And it's the same with your whole culture, creation, industry. You'll find that there's hidden occultic meanings behind everything you take for granted, every single thing you take for granted. And I was looking through some uh, heavy metal and different artists' covers on their little discs. I was in the store one day, and you see them making the, the flash in the square and the symbols of masonry. In, in the actual photographs too because most of them belong to the OTO the Order Templi Orientis that is a pre-Masonic institution set up before Crowley taken over by Crowley at one point and he worked for MI5 and 6 that tells you all you need to know well that's it for tonight it's going to be thundering shortly so I'll try and upload this lot from Hamish and myself it's good night to me your God or your gods go with you